I'm Carlo, Carlo Pietro Sanfilippo, and this is my podcast. With this project, I want to explore the means, methods, tools, and examples of living on purpose, living the life we want, doing the things that light us up, things that make us feel like we're alive, growing, making a difference, and enjoying the process along the way. Welcome to It's the Journey. Hello, my friends, old and new. Welcome to another episode of It's the Journey. In this episode, I am delighted to introduce you to Ellie Richter. Yes, that Ellie. If you read my book, you know a little bit about how she helped me. And for the new folks, Ellie was my first coach and is now a good friend. And she has an amazing coaching service that was hugely important to me at a very important time in my life. And she continues to help people co-create lasting healing in mind, body, and spirit so you can live life fully. And we'll go into how she does that through a process called integrative subconscious coaching and go talk about coaching and how she does it and what it works. And then we will dive in to a bit of her journey because she has a really cool story about, you know, moving, growing up in Germany, moving to America, and then moving through to where she is today that I think will be inspiring and exciting and fun to hear. So without further ado, let's meet Ellie. Ellie. Hello. Good morning. Guten Morgen. <laughs> Guten Morgen. Wie geht's? Sehr gut. Sehr gut. Auch, auch gut bei mir, danke. <laughs> so, so today we, uh, so Ellie, thank you for joining me. And, um, you know, as I mentioned, I want to dive into um, your practice as a coach and how you help people, what you do. Um, and <clears throat> it was actually, you know, we met, I was thinking about that, how we met, how we met. And remember that there's a, you, you were one, you're one of the few people that have read my pieces of my book so far. And I wrote the book about yes and, and the things I said yes to. That was like an example of it right away where I, I remember sitting in my, uh, bed office before it was a bed office. And uh, seeing on Facebook, a friend of mine had liked or followed your page. And I was in the middle of all the stuff I was going through. I'm like, holistic life coach. Yeah, I need that. <laughs> so I reached out to you and we had our initial conversation. And do you remember? I do. You asked, yeah, you asked me a bunch of questions about, are you willing to do this and this and this? And I said, no, at the time, because it was too much. And uh, you were super cool and patient about that and supportive. And it may have been, it was months or maybe a year before we did get started. And, you know, and I talk about that in the book about how like um, all the, th the different, I didn't get into all the things you do, but the, one of the biggest things you helped me with was telling me to be my own best friend. And that was really 
that was really a big beginning point for me. And so um, other, a lot of the people have asked me about different aspects of things I went through and working with therapists and working with a coach and different people that have helped me was so important. So I wanted to dive into you and what you do and how you help people. Because I know what you did for me would be different. You, may, you, probably work, you work with all different kinds of people. So let's dive into that. Well, first of all, I'm so in what you can't see right now. Just imagine like the big old grin in my face. So hard that it like hurts my cheeks because, <laughs> you know, it's not every day that I get to, well, really witness someone's journey almost from beginning to end to the next chapter and from that beginning to end to the next chapter. And it's so cool to really reconnect to how long we've known each other. And I really want to applaud you for your journey. I'm so freaking proud of you and so in awe of you and so excited for you to share your journey with others and to have written this book, which writing a book is a huge undertaking and such an accomplishment. And it's such a vulnerable thing to share your journey in a book form. I mean, it's one thing to share something on social media, like, you know, it's, it, but it's another to like, literally like, what? here's my everything in a book and off it goes into the vortex. Yeah. And it's, you know. <laughs> so I'm really proud of you and inspired by you and watching your journey from afar and up close. I mean, you and I have visited each other. I visited you in St. Louis. You visited me in Charleston at various points of our journey. Then we've worked together first when I was just doing just when I was doing the conscious coaching and now in the recent years, subconscious integration. So I feel really stoked to talk to you this morning and to celebrate you and your accomplishments and to really like high five each other on like, like, look how far we've come, you know? Yes. <laughs> when you and I met, that was, I was thinking about this. That was 2012, I think, right? That sounds right. That sounds right. Yeah. I was married and my marriage at the time I was um, not seeing what was really going on. And so I kind of followed your footsteps as far as divorce went a year or two later after you. So I wasn't personally familiar with the pain you were experiencing at Mm -hmm. the time. And then like a year or two later, I drew upon a lot of our conversations we've had and your sharing of your pain and experience to help me, you know, integrate and go through my own journey. So like, that's something that a lot of times it's a huge gift as a coach or therapist or whatever to uh, receive um, such wisdom and data from other people's experiences that we can integrate into, hey, so I remember Carlo was sharing this, this, and this. So this is how he handled it, or this is what we talked about at the time. And it was really helpful to be with you on the journey. So F yes to where we are. <laughs> and um, yeah, let's talk about all the things that possibly could help, all the things that may have been a detour and in hindsight, not necessary, <laughs> you know. Totally, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting. You talked about that. That uh, you know, it's like you, as a coach, you know, you're listening to different experiences people go through, and it's one thing to empathize with it, but sometimes we don't fully understand what that is like until we go through it ourselves. You know, I went through. I went. Through, my parents were divorced, so I knew what it was like as a kid, but I didn't know what it was like as an adult. And then I had 
as a financial planner, I had clients get divorced, and I saw that. And you can empathize and feel sad or or connect with the person, but until it's you, you don't you don't know. But like you said, yeah, those 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 experiences help. So. <laughs> well, and even then, it's never the same experience or the same mm-hmm. pieces of the puzzle that that lead to that. What is similar, and regardless of the outer circumstances, it how it feels on the inside. So, pain and suffering is something we all share, mm-hmm. and we all actually know. And whenever the first, last, or only one to experience it. So that to me is like a great, the greatest gift of being in this journey together is the recognition that no matter what the outside circumstance or maybe the mental story or the narrative, the feeling where it's, we're all the same in that and all humans on that emotional experience. And that's comforting, I think, and gives us that compassion for ourselves to then also say, okay, so then how do I want this journey to end and where do I want to take it next? Yes, yes, yes. Awesome. Okay, so, and that was just a quick example, I think, of something that's so cool about working with you is you, you, really, you really take in what someone is saying. And like you're, you're, you're sitting in your presence and you're quiet and you listen. And then, you know, from years ago, like you said, you'd often say, I hear you. And I always, I always heard that and it felt, um, it was a real, it's a really powerful, kind thing to say. Like there's no judgment to it. You know, I'm not agreeing with you or disagreeing with you. I hear you. And like for where I was and that was like so comforting to to be able to just speak my truth and have that acknowledgement. And then we would do whatever we were going to do with that. So I wanted to, I wanted to acknowledge that and thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Yeah. You know, it's always amazing when I hear people's experience with this work because truthfully, it's not like, I'm really there or doing this, you know, like it's about getting out of my own way so that the sacred space does what it does for the person, you mm-hmm. know? And so I hardly remember what we talk about or what's said. <laughs> <laughs> so I take notes um, so that I can share them afterwards with you because it's super intuitive, the process, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, that's what this journey is for me to help people come back to their own inner knowing and their intuition. And back then when you and I were talking, I think we called it the inner wise man. Remember that? We were talking about reconnecting to your inner wise man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, well, let's, let's, let's just, let's describe what you do. Cause some people have never worked with a coach and they have different ideas of what it is. And then there's, and like everything else, like, like as a, when I'm not doing this, I've, I've worked as a financial planner and that means a thousand different things. So like, what is, what is a coach and then what is your coaching process? Yeah, it, there, there is a thousand ways to describe this. Let me see if I can just describe it easiest at this moment. I think I help people to remember who they really are and live from that place and make their life a little bit better and a little bit more themselves. And it may sound cheesy or simple, but it really, you know, it really is. So when you think about um, a holistic approach to healing and a holistic approach to personal development, the first assumption is that we're already whole and that we're not broken and don't need fixing. So that's already a big difference to say a different paradigm. So I'm choosing in 
how, whatever I'm sharing with people to assume the divine in me and the divine in you and the interconnection in all of us. That's the number one assumption. And I, uh, I offer conscious tools, like talk, talking about things, asking provocative questions to help you raise your awareness. And then subconscious tools like Psyche, which stands for mind keys to help you integrate also your beliefs and on a deeper level, what you grew up with, your models of reality, the conditioning that you're really here to unlearn. So I help people unlearn all the BS that you may have been growing up with that doesn't lead to an expansive, authentic life, um, both with conscious, uh, conscious awareness tools like meditation, movement practices, breath work, but mostly with the subconscious change. Okay. The psyche. So every coach these days, coaching is now specific. So there's business coaches, there's health coaches. When I started, there wasn't a lot of coaching. So I just knew I wanted to sit and talk with people because I had um, a background in physical therapy and a lot of the exercise science. So that was my original study. And when you, when somebody comes to me with a physical ankle pain, it was very clear, very quickly that it had an emotional root cause and that the back pain or the headaches or the digestive upset, there was always an emotional component and a metaphysical component. So some, uh, some narrative in the mind that was stressful to the person. And then also some unprocessed emotion that wasn't fully released from the person's body. At the time, as a physical therapist, I didn't know what to make with that. So a lot of times I soaked it up, like empathetically, um, you know, and <laughs> just was like, how can, I, how can I heal this person? Like, I didn't understand what healing really is, uh -huh. that it's really not about me taking anything for the person, doing it for the person. So there was like some misunderstanding. And so in this quest of understanding how healing really works, I started to study yoga, Ayurveda, meditation, became a life coach, um, did movement therapy, added on uh, all kinds of things to offer, and then went into holistic life coaching. That's when you and I met. And then I did this for a good decade, like sort of the um, teaching wellness practices and bringing more awareness, so expanding consciousness with awareness-expanding tools like meditation, like yoga, like journaling, uh, breath work, and then like all basically when I when we first met, I was asking you, are you willing to do X Y Z to not only feel better but to get better over time and to act as your own self healer? And I didn't yet have anything I could have offered you between that. Like the how do you how do you support someone that's like so exhausted that they can't get out of bed? I didn't feel equipped to work with you at the time um, because that would have been, you know, where a lot of times talk therapy comes in emergency therapy uh, where at the time I thought, okay, this is where traditional psychology comes in. You know, maybe medication needs to be used, but I also have been observing that there are, there are people that are meeting themselves and are met in this space with new agey things. So I already got curious, like, what can I, what can I start studying that helps people in this space? But at the time that we met, the work that I offered was mostly about um, what can I as a patient do to help bring myself back to wholeness, to do the self-healing. Mm -hmm. And then for me as a coach, what questions can I ask and what tools can I teach this person? 
And how can I hold them accountable in a loving, compassionate way that they get to where they want to be? Um, now, that's traditional coaching and super powerful and super effective. And there's some overlap with talk therapy too, you know? So a lot of talk therapists send people to a life coach to do those behavioral changes or they, they teach behavioral changes themselves if it's like behavioral cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, but there's a big difference, you know? So we're not operating from the belief it's, that it's a pathology that needs to be treated with medication. Mm-hmm. We're operating from the belief that you're, something is out of alignment because the system is um, imbalanced and we can help our system get back into balance. And also that whatever is out of balance is not your fault. So this cycle like blaming yourself thing, really important to not do that. Uh-huh. Um, and regardless what paradigm a person is choosing, whether they go from the mental health psychology route or from the like self-healing route, you never want to walk around saying um, like, this is my identity or it's I caused this, it's my fault. Like that's just a story I really encourage people not to tell regardless, you know, regardless of whether you want to go, you can go both routes. You can go all the routes. So, uh, you know, I'm sure you are speaking to people on your podcast that come from all kinds of paradigms and schools of thoughts. And I feel like there's room for all of them and a place for all of them. Yep. And coaching is uh, very proactive and the subconscious now it's a whole new ball game. So I know I said a lot right now. And if you have, <laughs> please forgive me. Um, well, yeah. I, I think it's very unorganized and kind of just likes to riff. No, no, no. You, there's, a, there's so much there. I wanna, let's pause before we get into the subconscious. Because yes. yes. I want to dig into what I thought I was signing up for and what maybe a lot of people think. And maybe it's some coaches might, when, when I thought of a coach, I was in a place of distress. I was in a place of profound change. And I'm like, I, I, my, my, I signed up because I'm like, I need a new action plan. And I can't, I can't, all my life I'd set goals and done goals and done all the things. And I, I was in, well, if someone's just checking in today, I mean, haven't, haven't, hasn't read the book or listen, you know, I had, I had gone through a period where my, my parents died and I was divorced and my whole um, script for life was kind of in the trash can or burning. <laughs> and so I didn't, I didn't know what to do next. So I signed up for a coach for like, okay, all right, how do I get back on track and like just get back to doing things? And I sort of thought I was, that's what I was looking for, but I came out of it with something so, so different. And you're, you're mentioning, you know, finding that wise man to help um, or help, you know, learn to live to where you can, listen to yourself and do what you, what you really wanted. That's, if you would have told me that, I probably, maybe you did tell me that and I didn't hear it because I didn't, didn't register as something that was even possible. I was like, give me the list yeah. so I can put my head back down and start doing the things. Yeah, basically like <clears throat> I need someone else to tell me how to live my life, tell me what I should be doing so that I can feel better about myself and my life. And like, I remember a lot of, like, in our first conversations, the should, you know, what should I do? And I think I should do that. And I haven't done what I think I should do. And there's a lot of that going on. And, like, reading the little bit about your book, it is all about, well, what does my heart really want? What does my heart really want? What does my heart really want? And discovering that and how brainwashed both our conscious and subconscious mind are to 
follow this narrative, there is somebody outside of me that knows how I should live. And if I match that, like if it's religion or my parents or society or my partner or whatever it is, I need to listen to them over me. That's like the biggest lie, right? Yeah. So remembering who you are, and I would do a disservice as a coach to tell people what to do. I mean, as tempting as it is, right? I'm German. I'm <laughs> yeah, dude, I'll tell you what to do. <laughs> it, as tempting as it is, it's so old paradigm, you know, and I don't want anybody telling me what to do. So I prefer to hold space for somebody to decide what they want and to, to use their intuition. And even if they make mistakes along the way, that's their learning curve. And that's how a person empowers themselves. Like it's not empowering for me to, to tell you, this is, this is your path. It's most empowering if you decide everything yourself. Mm-hmm. It, that's, that's a whole new way, I think, of um, leaning onto each other, you know, holding space for each other. Yeah. Not rescuing, but supporting your own decision-making so you can trust yourself again because you were lacking self-trust. Mm-hmm. You know, being your best friend comes down to like trusting what your heart wants and going after that and feeling worthy of it. So trust and you, you were grieving so much. I mean, your parents had just died, the end of your marriage. And in your marriage, you allowed things that your soul wasn't really, like, happy about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you lost connection to some of, you know, your passions, like Italian and German speaking. Like, so many of your, your hilarious side, your <laughs> creative side, so much of your aspects of you, you kind of laid dormant. And that was on you at the time. Yeah, you know? yeah. And when we're grieving, however, we're just so fried that having access to what we really want, it feels impossible, you know? It, and that fried state takes some time to get out of. Yeah. It not only felt impossible, it felt everything, everything. And I think a lot of people feel this way. It felt like selfish. It felt wrong. There's all these judgments of like, there's all these judgments about if you do that, that's selfish. Or if you, yeah. if you don't have this kind of a house for your kids, it's selfish and you're a bad parent. And if you don't, all these, all these external judgments that then we accept and then we carry it on. It doesn't no one has to keep telling, no one has to say it anymore. It's like you're, you, you're, you're making yourself obey. Yeah. Um, so that, yeah, that was, that was super key. Like not only trusting myself, but maybe even really liking myself or loving myself for sure. Um, and so, yeah, I didn't sign up for that, but that's what you gave me. <laughs> and I appreciate well, I it. I <laughs> what we signed up for either. Um, but to look, everything, including what we want is freaking conditioned. I mean, from the moment our soul comes into our mother's womb, we become imprinted with information that isn't ours, you know, yeah. that, that we didn't even choose. And then eventually, like after 14 years of walking around, becoming bombarded with all this societal and parental and energetic and environmental information, our subconscious mind has finished forming and we begin to form a conscious mind. The frontal lobe starts to develop and where we now can see, wait a minute, what I accepted as a kid or what I said yes to or was taught I don't actually agree with that, but even if you decide to never want to be like your parents or to not believe this one religious thing or not not believe this one thing about love or finances, your subconscious still believes it. 
So then you begin to like feel fragmented between what you want and what you're actually attracting subconsciously. So the journey begins. Yeah. Of, you know, basically at that point, you, we've learned so much about what doesn't actually feel true to us that most of our adult time is done unlearning. And you and I, we were born at a time that's so freaking interesting when you compare it to today's generation. We are pre-internet, pre-social media, pre-personal development, self-help work. Yeah. And a lot of people that are younger don't even have this narrative that this is selfish. I think you and I generation are like maybe the last one. Hopefully. The burden of prioritizing yourself and checking in with yourself is selfish. I feel like the generation that's alive now, they're already recognizing that it's powerful and magical to do that. Yeah. It's the very opposite of selfish. It's the only way we can actually be of service. Mm. And we need to put ourselves first because right now, like the world's on fire and we all need to like stop hating ourselves and getting out our head off our butts and show up fully, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's the opposite of selfish and it's like coming out of shackles, you know, centuries of shackles of your parents' generation and their parents' generation. And it's like you're the first in your family to like, like set yourself free. And it was a lot. So fuck yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> well, well even, I mean, even like I think about um, like th- therapy, this, what we did wasn't therapy, but there was, there, like you said, there's some overlap. But even even working with a therapist changed from like my mom's generation to me. You know, there's a there's a psychiatric unit near my house that's been there since the 1800s, and it's it's on a street called Arsenal. And so if somebody had to go there, you would just my my aunt told me this. She's like, yeah, we would just say so and so they're at they're at Arsenal. They would sort of yeah. just whisper it, like, like you couldn't yeah. even, like, it was so shameful. It was so they would, you could acknowledge it, but you couldn't even say where they were, where what they were doing. You just called it by this name, and everybody's like, ah, okay. It's like, and it's, it's, you know, it's, and then, and then um, the idea of getting help or ha- getting help was always just, yeah, for, that's how I was raised. Is like, well, you don't, you just need to like try harder. <laughs> you know, you need to. Um, Super sad to me, looking back over time, um, well, sad and also like I'm, I feel awestruck because the, the, the understanding of consciousness and our energy is so, we have made such uh, strides in the understanding of um, our well-being and our health. So it's really an exciting time to be alive. And um, when I... I don't know if you watched on Netflix the the series about Freud. Did you get into that? No. Is that good? It's really riveting. I think you'd enjoy it. Okay. But it just reminded me that not even 100 years ago, um, women uh, expressing their feelings was labeled hysteria. Mm-hmm. And we were called crazy and were locked away. Same with men, you know, questioning the system or not you know, you were shot in the field if you disagreed with what the system was, you know, the, the, it's insane to, to think about what, what strides we've made as far as the understanding that emotions are a natural part of the human experience, that we're all emotionally in this together, that uh, there are ways to self-heal and heal without the stigma and the shame, and that really every human being experiences full rain, rainbows of emotions. So, 
now today's um, counseling techniques and therapy techniques are so much better than they were a decade ago. Same with the subconscious understanding. That's why I'm mentioning Freud. There used to be this this idea that the subconscious and the unconscious is like the like the dark and that you need to be afraid of that but ultimately and, and the term shadow work then was coined by Carl Jung eventually you know as it, it, we took it further to understand the subconscious more and now we understand that our subconscious mind is just like any data we experience from the first 14 years it doesn't really differentiate between good bad right wrong evil good you know doesn't have those beliefs unless you choose, unless you run printed with those beliefs. And it's all just data to the, even to what you think, think you want, even to what you think you are or who you think you are. It's all collected data. And we live in a time where we now have technologies, therapy, therapeutic effects to help us really change and heal on a deeper level yes. with open curiosity. And it's really exciting to me that there's new modalities to um, work with grief and trauma in the nervous system that are much easier than they were 20 years ago mm-hmm. when I started to learn about it as a physical therapist and um, then dove into consciousness expansion and somatic healing and physical healing. It's really beautiful where we've landed. So yeah. It's a great, exciting time. Um, well, I want to. I want to dive. I want to acknowledge something, and then I want to dive into a little sidetrack that you're one of the few people I can talk to about this. <laughs> uh, so, one, this is this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to give people in this conversation who've never worked with any of these kind of tools ideas of what's out there. Because I still, I still think I know. Just just in the last year, I know so many people that are struggling. So many people that are struggling with. And and they're, they maybe firmly believe they're struggling because of COVID or they're struggling because they can't do things or whatever, but there's whatever there's issues that are there that this is just pushing to the surface. It's like a splinter being pushed up to the surface is this pressure and stress and sadness. And the pressure and stress and sadness that I went through wasn't entirely because of a death or entirely because of a divorce. It was all these things that were in me that were kind of brought to the surface and I had to figure out what to do with them. And had I not worked with therapists, had I not worked with you as a coach, had I not done the work, I may have just shoved them back down into that unconscious and then stayed not, not, not healed until the next crisis came along. So this, this part of what I want to do with with. Not every episode's like this, where it's where it's about tools. Sometimes it's just about someone's life. But I really, I really want people to to kind of understand what's out there and know that it's okay to it's okay to get help and it's a good thing. Uh, but on Freud, have you read him in German? Probably in school. Yeah. Do you remember what he called Why? the ego and the id? Über, über, id, ne? über, ich. Na, the ich. The yeah. ich und the s, the mm-hmm. it, the I and the it, yeah. and the ego. Ego is is when it was translated to Latin or to English. Someone used chose the Latin ego, and it is it. So they 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 chose Latin words to make it maybe sound. I don't know, better. I don't know what I don't know why they translated it. In the medical world, everything is in Latin, you know. So yeah. at the time, he was there was was still considered a medical field or is considered 
medical field, you know, yeah. psychiatry, psychology. But think and about the profoundness of changing it from I to a word that most people don't know. Most 90 something percent of people don't know that ego. I didn't know that till recently. Ken, Ken Wilber <laughs> was in one of his some one of his talks. He mentioned that. So, like, literally, you're talking about the eye, the eye whatever that small eye is that we call ourselves, versus the the big eye, the super ego, the super right. So, looking at what is that I am, all the little things that we call ourselves that re, that confines and defines us in a smaller reality than this bigger reality of what we are. Well, I think the the problem with all of that is that it's super complicated and headsy and like stays like an ideology. So I'm a big believer of the following. Imagine you're lost in the woods and what's your priority? Do you want to analyze why you got lost in the woods? Do you want to blame yourself? What you did wrong, where you went wrong? Or do you want to get out of the woods? Or do you want to have a good time while you're getting out of the woods? I'm not sure. You know, so like, for me, I've come to realize I tend to, I tend to make it complicated before it appears simple. And what I learned in 43 years in being in my body, um, that it's really about feeling and feeling and having a state, an energetic state of presence and aliveness. So that's what it comes down to. I want to get out of the woods. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think coaching is a, a one of the many aspects that we, or one of the many things we can do to get, get out of the woods. And uh, in recent years, I've, um, I've become such a fan of the subconscious change and integrating that. And as you mentioned this year, so I think what's been very humbling this year is, I mean, so much has been so humbling. There's so much to say about this year. And when I think about it from this simplicity of, getting lost in the woods. I think the first thing we need to establish in people and ourselves is a sense of safety again, feeling safe, feeling safe in our bodies. When you think about it purely scientifically for a second, you know, all of this trauma is like one stressful event after the other that our eyeballs, our ears, our consciousness has had to process this year. And even if it's not your own life watching the trauma unfold on television and social media platforms. I mean, this has probably been the most uh, clarity bringing year anybody has been alive in yet. And it's been like snap, snap, you know? So just from that perspective, I think what's really important is to acknowledge that this feeling of grief and the feeling of exhaustion and the feeling of, Ungroundedness, that's what's really real. Whatever the reasons and the story, the narrative, that's different for all of us. And um, nobody will actually fully be able to understand what it's like to be you as far as your narrative goes. However, we all understand what it's like to be in pain, to struggle, to long for something, to feel unsafe, to feel like we can't do it, to feel hopeless, to feel disconnected, lonely. Like people are coming face to face with like the fundamental shit, their shame, their loneliness, their mishaps, wherever we abandon ourselves and our intuition and the hurt we've caused, the hurt other people have caused. Yeah. So if this year isn't like bringing up all of in, the, the dreams you've abandoned, the hopes you have, the love you feel, there's yeah. everything is coming up. So that to me is 
what's real and what needs to be acknowledged because the story behind it may not even be 100% true and or helpful and or a narrative that you've finished yet. I think we're at a time where um, we're learning how to feel our feelings and to be vulnerable with each other. And that is where Psyche can immediately help a person immediately come into a shift. And remember earlier, I was sharing that at the time when you and I worked together in 2012, I didn't have Psyche or subconscious tools to offer. So I knew that there was a certain uh, requirement of readiness and willingness in the person, in my idea client and the people I could help. And now it's different. I, I really am open for, you know, the deep suffering and Psyche can very quickly help a person to feel safe again in their bodies and to um, reduce the level of stress that's running through their nervous system. It's really fast and effective and that's why I love it. And um, it's really great with trauma. So this year has been very humbling and beautiful in the sense that I've been able to help people no matter what their circumstance might be, whether that's death or um, shadow work or trauma or a new business or unblocking writing a book. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, whatever it might be. And it's been a really interesting, yeah, it's been really interesting and new and different to open to a new way of doing this. Let's let's dive into what Psyche is in just a second. I wanna yeah. I want to uh <clears throat> it's our, I, I've kind of started thinking about what we're going through is like a big I don't know if you had timeouts when you were a kid or had to go to your room, but mm-hmm. like sometimes we'd have to go to go to my room and uh, it felt a little bit like that where you're just like you, you were your 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 space was restricted and it gave you time to pause and reflect and sometimes f- for some some kids you put them in timeout and they freak out because they they get so angry that they they can't do something and then other kids you put in timeout. I remember sometimes I would just get so lost with my toys and my books and whatever that my mom would eventually say I could come out of my room and I'd be like, oh, okay. And I would, <laughs> I would, it wouldn't feel that way anymore. But that, th- this is what it's going, and, and it was different every time, but this is kind of, I think, what we're going through as a, a society. And I was struggling and some things I thought I'd healed from kind of came back to the surface. So it wasn't long into this, maybe... April, May, June, that I started really realizing um, this felt in some ways like some of the, some of the, the last, what last time what I went through, I, I finally start calling it like a winter. It was like a winter of life. And I'm like, okay, this is a new winter. I have the tools. I'm going to dive into the tools. And so I, I did a little bit of work with my therapist and, and brought up some things and we did some work and I went, I didn't know what you were doing had changed so I'm like, I was like ready to get more of what had worked. And um, so it was exciting to dive into your new tools, which I want to um, have you explain in just a second. But I'll say, yeah, it did, it, it, it broke open some, some dams. And one of them was finishing my book. It, it, I had finished the draft in October of last year. And October, November, and my editor cleaned it up, gave it back to me in the form of a book. And maybe, I think it was in December. So January, February, I, I just, 
I, I kept working on it a little bit here and there, but I couldn't make myself finish it. And then March hit and the world shut down and I, you know, I was kind of in crisis mode with my work and March and April were all about that. And then she kept politely reminding me, I had a book coach, like <laughs> that's my theme in life, right? So she was like politely reminding me and um, I, I, I'd start to look at it and I just kept putting it back down. And I had some blocks about what you talked about, about putting this out there. Who am I to do this? Who gives a damn? Do, do, do I, <laughs> you know, the, the, the vulnerability of it was one aspect. And then the, um, it felt like, it, it felt like even like level, some, some level of audacity. Like what, who, who am I to write a book? Who am I to share my story? That kind of thing. Uh, and that's not specifically what we worked on, but what we worked on broke that open because when we were done, I just like put my head down and knocked out a lot of projects. This, the podcast is one and finishing the book was one and a bunch of other things. So let's talk about, let's talk about what that process is and how you work with, how you use that with uh, your different, different people you work with. Okay. I'm so proud of you for recognizing that this time had an opportunity for you and an opportunity you felt like you did as a kid where this timeout, you could actually use it to do what you wanted. <laughs> <laughs> Your story is pretty much what the difference is between conscious work and subconscious work. And we have three minds. We have the conscious mind, which makes about one to five percent of our consciousness. So it actually makes a very small percentage, but that is how much of our thoughts and beliefs that are going on at any time we're actually aware of, 1% to 5%. Wow. So right now, you and I are talking mostly from subconscious. <laughs> <But> we're, <laughs> we're trying to consciously make sense and consciously choose the topic we're talking about. So the conscious mind is very important. Mm -hmm. It's not the source of all of us, you know? Yeah. And then we have 95 to 98% is subconscious, like a data collection. It just all goes inside of us. Okay. And then we have the third mind, and that's what we in Psyche call the superconscious mind, which is what you and I at the time called the inner wise man, what some people might call God or source or universe. So it really is up to you, whatever you call that, which can't be named. And this work of healing is to come back in alignment with your superconscious mind and to make sure that your superconscious mind, your subconscious mind, and your conscious mind are in agreement about what it is that you want and going in that direction. And so a lot of people begin with conscious work, reading books, hearing someone's story. Maybe currently as you're listening, there's a conscious thought you're having, a conscious awareness, an aha, of something you felt asleep to and suddenly you're like, oh my goodness, I'm realizing something about myself. Maybe you're realizing I'm the common denominator in every single story of my life. Crap. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe that's the first piece of awareness, you know? And then, and then we can consciously make some changes. We can implement new behaviors. Um, so the idea is that our beliefs create our thoughts and words and emotions and our actions. And conscious talk therapy and coaching and behavioral change changes our actions 
and maybe our thoughts and our words. Mm -hmm. So we consciously decide we're going to express ourselves in a more positive way. And we consciously decide to stop eating junk, maybe stop drinking so much and start meditating and start to like give gratitude. And those are conscious choices we're making. Yeah. But what if the subconscious is hardwired to shame or hardwired to not feeling worthy or a breakup or a job loss or a death or some kind of like stressful change. And usually our default comes back and that's like falling off the wagon. You know, that term falling off the wagon. Yep. So like, People like climb out the hole when something happens with some conscious tool. And then they really created a new normal. And sometimes that new normal even like lasts for a couple of years until internal or external stressors cause another like wake up. So it's either gradual stress over time or like a punch in the face that's causing the person to be like, wow, there is also this subconscious piece. Like my subconscious is, not on board with what I know to do. Mm-hmm. If the knowing doesn't translate into the doing, if the knowing doesn't translate into the feeling and the embodiment, there may be a subconscious block. There may be a belief or a stressful situation from the past that's still blocking the full experience of what you actually say you want. Right. Okay. So that's so cool. So they talk about, so you help people line up those three minds, right? Um. And then, because I, I think that already, even though that wasn't specifically what you were doing, that's part of what happened from our work the first time. No, that's what we were specifically doing. Okay, is what is the, very, the very beginning. Yes, we were okay. very beginning. It's just that we didn't work on the subconscious piece in the very, the first three months we ever worked together, we focused on the thoughts and words and actions, mm-hmm. you know, and journaling, we did, we did journaling and meditations and and visualizations and um, doing what really lights you up. And the big thing for you at that time was starting to do comedy. That was a really big action change for you. I remember you were like, what do I want? I really want to do stand-up and, and improv. And then I'm like, why don't you? And then you did. Yeah. And it's like this like amazing new passion. Yeah. Well, it, <clears throat> And it wasn't... Because sometimes people will do something and then they'll fall in love with that thing and then they think that's the thing, that's the, that's the magic. Whether it's yoga or improv or whatever, like that's that's the thing. And for me, I realized like that, I, I, I could say yes to that and learn a new thing and that was fun. Well, what else could I, what else could I say yes to? It wasn't the thing. It wasn't improv or it wasn't, it wasn't improv in this example. It was that I said yes to something I wanted to do. It was fun. I learned, I grew, I met new people and I built a new muscle that allowed me to say yes to another thing. Cause saying, I, I talk about, yeah. So yeah, sometimes, sometimes people will, will think, oh, this is, this is my new religion. And if that, because like some people are suffering from that now, if they can't go to the gym or they can't go to yoga class or they can't go to improv theater, they're suffering and sad because they lost their, they lost their religion and they lost their drug, their drug. And it wasn't that thing. It was what came from doing it or saying yes to something that they wanted to do or growing as a result of throwing themselves into something new or challenging or scary and overcoming that. You are the type of person that 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 is that 
following your bliss is your life's mantra and you haven't allowed yourself to do so because you also had some experience as a kid. Remember that made you feel like you don't have the right to like, who are you? And so much shame, like so many of us are carrying so much shame and for you to really allow yourself to follow the yes. And of course it's not just one thing for you. It's all the things it's literally each. Yes. And whether that's a, a yes to the blue pair of pants that make you feel really comfortable or the yes to writing a book. It's not even like, it doesn't matter for your soul, whether it's a small thing or a big thing. It's the saying yes to what you really want a hundred percent of the time is your secret sauce. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was looking over the work we've done with the subconscious change. So What's so cool about the subconscious change is it's much simpler than the conscious work. So in, sub, in the subconscious work, we basically ask like, okay, so you're in the woods. What do you want to get out of it? And we're asking actually your intuition, you're not wise man. So we don't really analyze or label anything. So we go straight to your intuition and ask what do you want or need so that you can move forward in a new way. And a lot of the things you worked on were actually directly related to speaking your truth and feeling worthy of um, being seen and heard and having clarity and joy and love and being true to yourself. So a lot of the beliefs and subconscious work you've done basically are now in, like we can totally see them happening for you as we sit here and you're holding your book in your hand because it's all about you expressing yourself and that's what you unlocked this year and what it's mostly about and then how it unfolds for people. That's like, that's the fun of it, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, cool, Okay. So where do you, you want to dive into human design or, or is there anything we missed on uh, or, or do we want to dive deeper, deeper into Psyche? I'd rather dive deeper into Psyche. I okay. can highly recommend people checking out human design. It's a really amazing tool for more self-awareness and it's also a conscious tool. So it'll bring conscious self-awareness. The actual unlearning and undoing can be done with subconscious work. And so besides Psyche, there's a couple other modalities that touch this part of our consciousness. Um, and it's basically about releasing resistance. So I don't know if you've ever tried a positive affirmations and then notice like every cell of your body is not believing that. And it's almost like that's total crap. And that's your subconscious resistance basically. So if you've ever worked with positive affirmations, they are great for the conscious mind, but they also only work if you already have the belief also on a subconscious level Otherwise, they really resonate in disharmony. Mm -hmm. So if you were to say, I'm a millionaire, and that, and you don't believe it, nor is it reflected in your physical reality, then you can feel that lie and that stress in your body. And so Psyche came to Rob Williams about 30 years, 33 years ago. It was recently the 33-year-old anniversary to this modality coming to Rob Williams. And he was a very interesting person. He had worked in corporate America and um, then basically wanted to help people with stress and trauma and had studied all kinds of different modalities, Eastern, Western. And one day, um, the psyche processes came to him when he was rather distressed. So it doesn't, didn't come in meditation. It came as a solution, but when he was lost in the woods, kind of, you know? Yeah. And so... And what I love about this, this, uh, this technology, this, this modality... It's, it's a wonderful, empowering tool where you, as my partner, make all the decisions. Psyche stands for mind keys, and we can do three things with it. 
the first thing we can do is simply upgrade your beliefs to what you want to believe. So let's say you come to me and you want to publish this book and you're noticing this inner narrative. Who am I to do that? People are going to judge me and um, this book is going to tank and, oh my God, you know, you're just having all this stuff doubt. And then we would acknowledge that feeling and check in when your body, are you feeling that? And you probably see, say, maybe in my stomach, I'll feel this as like a nausea or maybe I'll feel it in my chest as like a weight or maybe I feel really stiff in my neck and shoulders or all the above. And then we'd say, you know, some people might label that anxiety. In our world, we're going to call it feeling scared as fuck. (laughs) (laughs) And um, and noticing all the, 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 the physiological response to the narrative you're telling yourself. So the narrative is like worst case scenario narrative. Yeah. Yep. Like the most low self-worth scenario that you can conjure up, the negative inner stream, whatever the conditioning is saying, super scary, you bad, you know, you shouldn't be writing this book. And then we would pause for a moment and zoom way out and up into your higher self, your inner wise man, your super conscious mind, and take a moment to connect what you rather believe about yourself and then make a different choice. And you might say, I want to believe that I'm good enough. I want to believe that I'm worthy. I want to believe it's safe for me to speak my truth. It's safe for me to write this book. When I share my story, other people benefit. Uh, When I really lean into joy and bliss, I can help much many more people. It is safe and okay for me to do what I really want to do and express myself. Like those kinds of new beliefs, really just depending on what you want to believe. So that's the very first very direct thing we can do is say, hey. Yeah. And we did a few really powerful, meaningful, emotional, meaningful goal statements at the time that we were working together. We we did. And we're like, what was what was coming up? I don't even know if we I don't know if we directly talked about the book, but it was all issues that were underlying it that had to do with me speaking my truth and feeling like it was okay oh, to do what I and okay. the goal you had in the very beginning when we when you talked about what your goals are, you talked about your goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, your book. Your number one goal was one of the, was the book. And at the time, you were also majorly stuck in analysis paralysis because you were at that growing edge where you're like, man, I've already worked on all this before. Where the heck is that coming from? Yeah. And that's why you were you were standing in the forest in front of the tree where like, I can't see, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, and then you're also like, I know this place. I've been here before. So there's got to be something else. And so that's kind of the other thing that we did with Psyche was the stressful situations. And so... This is the other interesting thing about the subconscious and the big difference between the conscious mind and the subconscious mind. So consciously, now 5% that we're aware of, we can say, well, XYZ event is 30 years ago. It can't touch me anymore. I'm safe. You know, what happened is in the past, I've moved on, I've forgiven. We can consciously say that and decide that. However, our subconscious mind may be still stressed about the situation. Mm-hmm. Therefore, Whenever we think about that event or the the past, we feel an uneasiness that we can't maybe put our finger on. Or anytime we're trying to move forward and something happens, we might feel triggered bringing up that same emotion that we felt 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, and being like, what the F? I thought I already like healed that. Yeah. So you start to question yourself, like, what's wrong with me? Nothing. 
it may just be subconscious conditioning and or unprocessed old stress. That's a great point because when you when you talked about me being back in the woods and feeling like I I recognize that that's exactly that was exactly how I felt like okay I've and 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 I'm conscious that growth is perpetual, um, and I think but I think a lot of people a lot of people have will will use the term woke, and I know what they mean they mean about it in one context, but they'll use it as if it's it's a place you arrive and you're done and you've checked a box. And there's no more room for growth because you've reached the peak. Like enlightenment is a, they'll look at that as a pinnacle. And I used to think that I like would literally write goals, be in or obtain enlightenment. Like it was like, I could check this box and I was done. Boom, I'm in the club. Or same thing with people ask me other language. Are you fluent? And like after, six months after studying Italian, are you fluent yet? And four years after, or eight years after studying German, are you fluent? And I'm like, there's, there's always another level. There's always, I'm always aware of what I don't know. But sometimes even, even with, I understand this. And even with that, I'm like, crap, I've done this work. Why, why am I here? So like, there's always with this kind of growth, whether it's coaching or therapy, you reach a new level of awareness or a new level of self-understanding. And there's always the subconscious stuff that's still there. And there's always, you know, what you don't what you don't know, and so these processes and tools, it's a it's a li- it's a lifetime process, right? I don't know about that. I no? think growth is certainly a lifetime process. I think that the soul already knows how to be you yeah. and how to heal itself, and that it doesn't have to be complicated. That's sort of like at this moment where I feel myself landing in my personal truth and the soul knows the soul, whatever you define that to be. And so this, I don't want to like, if you're atheist and you don't really think you have a soul, maybe just consider that there is a part of you that's unchanging and that already knows like that's unconditioned that you come into this, I guess, like a steady part of you, Mm -hmm. that steady part of you knows. And it's about us surrendering back into that steady part and listening to that steady part and taking the time to listen I would hate anybody walking away from anything and thinking that it has to be really complicated and that they're like, Oh, I have, I need to read these thousand books and do these thousand things. I feel like learning to get quiet and listening to the meandering of your heart doesn't have to be difficult or complicated or headsy. It's a feeling in your heart. Mm -hmm. And I, dude, you and I, we can geek out on all all things, (laughs) you know, but ultimately, the arrival into the present moment doesn't have to be hard or complicated. Yeah. And the surrendering into that stream of good feelings doesn't have to be complicated. And sometimes in hindsight, that's maybe the takeaway midlife. I don't know about you, but like midlife, I'm like, well, I'm almost, I'm in midlife. When I look back, what is my takeaway so far? Oh, my takeaway is it can be a lot simpler if I surrendered more into myself, into this moment and keep asking, what does my heart really want? And if I keep it that simple and not overcomplicate the rest and just kind of look at the toolbox of things we have available for us, like hey, being one of them, conscious conversation being another meditation, like whatever tools, there is no right way, wrong way, but your soul already knows. And that's the exciting thing, isn't it? Like, yes, you know, I know, everybody knows. And then we can help each other remember in case we forget and we have like all this like amazing toolbox of things, whether that's 
mental health uh, aspects or wellness aspects or personal development aspects. And we can trust that at the right time, the right thing presents itself because even what seemed for me in hindsight in my life, like overcomplicating things, I'm so glad I overcomplicated it. Yeah. So that now I can have a sense of humor and be like, oh, dude, it doesn't have to be that complicated. You know? No, like, no. Just keep it simple and on stream. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, no. And I, I agree. It doesn't, I, I get it. I like, well, again, it's the journey. I like the journey. I'm happy. Yeah. I like being happy with the, with the view I have today. And then it's also fun seeing what's around the corner. A hundred percent. So I used to only live for what was around the corner. Mm-hmm. Someday, one day, I'd always write all these goals and, and, and I would be happy when I had this kind of a house and happy when I had this kind of health and happy when I could go see this or that or whatever, or read, have read this many books. I used to write goals for how many books I was going to read because like, but, uh, and you even asked me that question when we were talking about one of the things that, you know, being, wanting to, I wanted to be in Rome. Yeah, you just asked me something and, and, I forget how you phrased the question, but I mean, I realized like, well, I'm, I, I would like to be there, but I'm, I'm having, I'm happy now also. I'm happy. I was, I'm reading and I'm learning and I'm doing things. I'm experiencing that even though I'm not at that, I'm not physically there. I was, I'm, I was in my time out, you know, reading about Caravaggio and had a map of the city on the wall so I could kind of follow his, path through this city 500 years ago. And I was happy with that. Uh, so uh, it's about, it's, it's, at this point, it's, it's lovely and fun to have it simple and be happy now. But then also it's, it's, it's nice to, it's nice to wonder, I guess, or or watch watch the boat, you know, kind of make its turn and see that other sunset or see the other mountain or whatever, you know. Yeah, I think we're so moving out of this either or world, you know. They're like you can only have this if you sacrifice that kind yeah. of thinking, and allowing the both and you can ex- allow yourself to experience whatever feeling you're after. You can tap into that now. And, and be excited about what's around the corner too. And be grateful for what was because we are that powerful because we're the witnessing presence. We get to choose if we want to pay attention to the present moment, the future or the past. And yeah. then what feeling we invoke by doing so. We're definitely much more in charge of our reality than any other time in history before because we're understanding co-creation so much better. And watching you forage a way for a, a, a man to do so, coming out of old paradigm, old like thinking, I should be doing this, that, and the other, and this is how what my midlife should look like. And for you to say, well, I'm really interested in Italians and German, and I'm going to just learn those languages. I think I'm going to move there. And it's just so awesome for you to follow your bliss and to watch that. And I hope that a lot of people read your story and just feel a sense of hope and optimism that they too have available inside. Like our innermost being is already naturally optimistic and hopeful. 
our innermost being is already courageous and is already confident and is already joy and peace. And it's not something we have to work for. The Like you said, the once I have this, then I feel that way. But it's something that we surrender back into when you really allow yourself to tap back into it. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. So is there more with Psyche you want to dive into of like, of what else is involved with that or how, how you help people with that? What would you like? Um, I think it'd be fun to like dive into your journey from growing up in Germany to saying yes to whatever path that led you to um, helping people physically and then eventually moving to America and becoming a coach and yoga teacher and all the cool things that you do. Okay. Well, um, <clears throat> I think I always knew that I wanted to help people and that that is going to be my path when I was really little. The very first thing I remember, so, I, you know, growing up empathetic, and we're all empathetic, so everybody has that ability to to connect to uh, the heartstring of, like, what tucks your heartstring what do you want to make a change about? And I always thought there's so much suffering in this world and I wanted to cheer people up. Um, that started, of course, with my parents. At the time, I didn't have the words for it or the understanding of trauma. But my parents grew up, were little in World War II. Yeah. So thinking about generational trauma and what they carried into being parents and into you know, who they are, I was like, uh, as a kid, I played a lot of instruments and a lot of music and... I would dial numbers and uh, on the phone, like the touch that. What is it? Like a little circular dial? Yeah, yeah. The, 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 that's, what the, that's why we call it dialing the phone. Dialing the phone. So I was dialing <laughs> random numbers from the phone book with my girlfriend <laughs> and saying, it's your musical service. Um, uh, we're playing your song to cheer, cheer up your day. And that's how that's we... That's awesome. That's what we did. And we would like play something on the piano or the flute or whatever. And I always, there's this, my favorite part of um, my life is this joyful lightness that I naturally have where even in the midst of very traumatic difficulty, I can access that. And so it, it's of course then the experiences that shaped my subconscious mind, like some stress in growing up so growing up in Germany to parents that grew up in World War II, there was certainly a lot of, um, you know, stressful events for sure. this kid that imprinted in the subconscious, in my subconscious. And <clears throat> I started rebelling as soon as I had a frontal lobe. So <laughs> <laughs> like in my like 15, 16, I was like, okay, let me experiment with cigarettes. Let me experiment with alcohol, with boys, with love and who I am. And it was an interesting experiment, uh, experimental time from like 15 to 23. Uh -huh. um, and during that time I went to... I started my first work at an, at an all women's gym, like right out of high school. Um, my parents didn't want me to work during high school, but, but wanted me to have a lot of, um, what do you call that in, in America, I guess, uh, after school activities. So I had a lot of after school activity. I was in a church choir and the orchestra. I had piano lessons, um, uh, violin lessons, uh, puppet theater, 
there was a lot going on every day. And so my parents were energizer bunnies and I am not. So <laughs> You're not. Come on. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that at the time, but I was pretty much burned out already from all those hobbies. Wow. And so um, flute, piano, violin. I know you played all those instruments. Choir, church choir, orchestra. Wow. Puppet theater, which was really fun. So I had a lot of creativity in my childhood. And it was a lot, a lot going on, you know? Yeah. And I'm super grateful in hindsight how much culture and music. My parents, that was really important for my parents. And um, it wasn't super expensive. So school at the time, uh, some of it was incorporated in it, you know, but my parents definitely, I know my privilege there, was exposed to a lot of culture. Mm-hmm. And, and it was also available at the school that we went to as after-school programs. And then it was just magical. But there was also a lot of drama, trauma in, in my upbringing. And so I started rebelling and dealing with the grief and the trauma in my teenage years and experimenting. But something inside of me, thankfully, was very responsible. So I never got into horrible situations but I can empathize how easy it is that you could you know um so <laughs> I, I worked in a all-women's gym after high school as my first job and really loved exercise uh-huh. I really fell in love with exercise and helping women and it was so much fun to listen to them to help them figure out what to eat and how to move their bodies in a healthy way So I got certified in all kinds of movement practices from hip hop to spinning. And this was like 1996, you know, like mid nineties where you had like this, the spandex situation. Like (laughs) it was awesome. And I was a total gym bunny, but then also partied, like partied on the weekends. Um, So some imbalances started to happen. I got diagnosed with an underactive thyroid, which Doing college then led to extreme fatigue, some depression. And that those were sort of the formative years from like 19 to 21. I went to college and I was, was dragging butt health-wise. Mm. I was not feeling well. And so the whole physical therapy study, like going to university, it was not just about helping others, but myself too. You know, really discovering like, how can I what can I do? Because I was feeling like crap most of the time. So I started on thyroid medication and at the time believed that there's nothing I can do on my own. Um, But I experienced a huge burnout at 19 and got my first metaphysical book. And I was on a vacation with my mother and it was really pivotal because I realized that a lot of the patterns I've started to create were directly patterns I learned from her. So I remember being really pissed at her, being like, mom, it's all your fault. Like I learned this, all, all these patterns from you. And, and like, these are all these emotional like blocks that I have from you and dad and this and that, my poor mother, you know? Like basically once you pick up a metaphysical book and you're realizing this is all about your childhood, you're like, you know, the, a natural part of that waking up is to get pissed at the people that, yeah. you know, were supposed to keep you safe or whatever. Um, that didn't last very long, but I, you know, I, I remember feeling like, whoa. And so, um, right after college, I'm, I was working with sports teams in the city that I went to college with and I met my ex-husband there and he was an American athlete um, playing American football. 
And I was working with a lot of athletes at the time as a physical therapist. And we started dating. Um, it, you know, it's a really long story. But yeah. the beautiful thing about that story is that I immigrated to America at age 23. As a matter of fact, energetically, it's like 20 years later now with the same powerful change energy in the air than it was 20 years ago. So yeah. I felt a strong urge to make a change in my life. And, and I immigrated to America at 23 and got married at 23 uh -huh. to that man. And um, because my degree wasn't transferred, I had this opportunity to really rethink what do I want to do when I grow up. Oh, cool. And that was the catalyst for me. Again, a lot of frustration was involved. You know, the imagine that you just finished college. And I had finished college with really good grades and a really good relationship with my teachers. And they had asked me at the time if I want to start teaching at the college and teach certain courses because I was really good at it. Mm -hmm. um, and I was, oh, I was also teaching through fitness classes and still doing all of that. So <laughs> I was really involved, you know. And you, and wait, 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 pause back and say that you're, and you said you're not an energizer bunny. I'm not, but I <laughs> not as so, much. <laughs> we're talking a lot about conditioning. And, yeah. But you know, you and I have been talking on the show also a lot about the brainwashing we receive. So my parents are energizer bunnies, always doing something, feeling guilty when they're resting, really German organized. And I am naturally, my actual true self is so not like that. And What's naturally true for me, my parents often met with, oh, that's crazy, Ellie, how are you going to do that? And now my mother knows differently. Now she knows that's just how I am, and she actually supports my that's cool. quote, unquote, crazy. You know, but at the time, of course, parents didn't know any better, so they usually try to teach the children what they think works for them. Right. You know? And that's what my parents did, exposed me to as much knowledge as they thought would be good for me. And so on and so on. So I'm grateful for all of that. And so the ultimate turning point was that burnout. And then also was, again, immigrating to America and realizing I don't, what I learned isn't transferred. So my degree wasn't transferred. So I could do it again, all of it, or I could start a new path. And I did a little bit of both. So when I moved here to Charleston at 25 or so, we, we moved to from Buffalo to Charleston, I went back to school for pretty much the same degree. And I remember feeling pretty pissed yeah. <laughs> about that, but also sort of like an up, like I also felt like really trapped in the story. I should have a legit degree that's accepted in America. So I had a legit degree from Germany, but my condition was so programmed to be like, everybody needs a college degree without a college degree. You're nobody. Like that was what I believed at the time mm -hmm. because my parents were also highly educated people and expected me to be a highly educated woman and then to get married um, to another highly educated man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, ideally a prince, some like blood, whatever, you know, that was sort of the narrative that I grew up with. Um, didn't happen that way. Uh, blah, blah, blah. I got married. I thought I needed another degree. Didn't really. And while I was going to school, which I enjoyed, I love learning. So yeah. I really, the, the, the frustration disappeared and I embraced it. I started to really get a knack for life coaching. And I started to work with a spiritual teacher that introduced me to meditation and all kinds of things. And then I decided to dive deeper into that and combine it with the things that I already knew and was passionate about, which is nutrition and health and 
plus healing. And then I got a certification in it. And that's the time we met. And, and yeah. you know, then I started doing all of that. And I started just writing about on Facebook, just kind of like full circle to my musical telegrams that I used to do. Just cool. Facebook became the new like touch dial. Calling people. <laughs> yeah. Sharing little things that I thought would cheer people up or help people. And that hasn't stopped, you know, and whether that's through adding on teaching some yoga or for a brief time, I co-owned a meditation studio. Like these were all the different ways. And currently I'm really feeling called to just focus on the subconscious integration because I find that people really have now greater self-awareness and are much more already willing to meditate and do yoga. And then they're coming to this, like, I'm lost in the woods and I'm standing in front of the tree again. What now? That's where I feel like led to pick people up currently yeah. and help them to really get back in touch with their inner wise person and unblock all their minds so that they can live life fullest. I love it. I love, I love the idea of uh, young Ellie calling strangers because yeah, you do, you still do that now. Like with your, your, in, I love watching your Instagram stories of the, the stories you tell or quotes you give or, insights you share and yeah hearing about you like wanting to do that that's you were called to do that from the very beginning and then yeah it's never been about business for me and you know i i didn't get trained in business i got trained in healing helping people so it was like a trial and error journey to then realize eventually i think it didn't happen until i got divorced like in my late thirties where I realized, shit, I'm doing this. I'm actually an entrepreneur and shit, I got to do my own thing. <laughs> yeah. you know? like, I had no idea. And I remember you and I talking then because you're a financial advisor, you know, and like you're coming from this world where you're like, yeah, Ellie, you know, this is all like up to you now. And that was another conditioning that as a woman, I had to get out of that. I need a man to do financial things for me or that I needed a man to survive. So I can, uh, and to imagine that now, that I was even ever thinking that way. It's really funny to me. You know? Yeah. You're like, wow, I was totally trapped in that conditioning that I couldn't do this. So yeah, you know, now I kind of feel like what's the point of, of life unless you really give yourself permission to be yourself, do things the way that you enjoy doing them in a way that it helps people and contributes to the collective. You yes. know? And so I'm just going to continue doing that. If it's not fun, it's not, it's not meant for me. Like I'm, I, I'm too old and too tired to not live like that, live in any shoulds, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's always great to talk to other middle, middle-aged people. Be awesome. <laughs> to of that. They'd be like, yeah, let's just allow ourselves to truly be ourselves and to share our gifts in ways that make, that help other people. And I hope that your book, and I know your book will help so, so many people on their journey and all of it helps, you know, it's all of it that sparks something and it's all about keeping that spark and that flame, that inner flame going and fanning it. Definitely. Definitely. And, and that's, that's exactly, I wanted to, that's what I, this is all, all of this is the things that I wanted to share with people. I wanted people to, cause like hearing, like hearing your story that it was, you know, it was also during, you know, different dark periods in your life that you had, you had big awakenings, you know, awakenings, you know, to like eventually come and become a coach and then awakenings, you know, to come to America and all the, the different things that you did um, that people, it's not fun and we've never asked to go through struggles, but we find ourselves in that forest. And that's, that's when 
That's when sometimes the biggest lessons and gifts can be can be given to us. They come, like they say, gifts come wrapped in problems. Yeah, and you know, I feel like we're also entering a time where we don't even have to look at that as a bad thing or as no. anything. Just yeah. we accept it as part of the human experience. You know, it really. Some I'm one unless the universe smacks me in the face. I can track along in the direction that's not really meant for me. That's why I'm all about becoming more intentional. Yeah. You know, because I do learn a lot from the mistakes I make and I now no longer really want to even call them mistakes or, but there, you know, yeah, we could certainly dive into a lot of pain and suffering. Um, however, I think that what really is the biggest thing, can you still show up with it? And be still open-hearted and be still like all in, all yes. Can you still let yourself live life fully? Because the difference between the 15-year-old Ellie and the 43-year-old Ellie is their experiences, right? The stress between then and now. And some people get bitter and some people get better. Mm-hmm. And I can watch myself, like I can watch that in a voice that's like, ooh, let's get bitter. Like, screw this. Like, what's, the, you know, what's the point? Or that part that's like, no, let's get better. And it comes down to a daily choice of like, do I choose to stay intentional, intentionally show up, get better, feel better, show up that way? Or do I just want to like, can I give up? And I think that's a choice like almost every morning, you know, to be made. Yes, definitely. Uh, and then the other thing, so I, I, wanted, I wanted to do this also just to let people know. And it's kind of a theme and, and the last several years of my life of like knowing when to ask for help and getting help from you and getting help from a therapist and getting help from my book coach and getting help from people that have helped me physically heal from an, you know, my knee injury on and on. So like, you know, getting, getting help and finding the right person can, um, can help really save years of time or accelerate yeah. growth. Or sometimes, sometimes it's just, the person holds up a mirror. That's all they yeah. do. They hold up a mirror and you're like, oh God. Yeah. <laughs> it's not yeah. always fun to see that, but that's when the biggest uh, uh, insights can happen. And uh-huh. 100%. I'm uh, forever grateful that I reached out to you and that you're in my life. And it's been lovely and fun. Well, not only experiencing your gifts, but then... Um, watching you go through your journey and grow and learn and, and expand. So from the very beginning, we talked about you, you telling me that I need to be my own friend, right? Um, you probably, I'm sure you know who Seneca is, but I'll, I'll, like, I'll explain real quick for anyone that doesn't. But Seneca was like the, he lived in the Roman imperial days and was a son of a rich person and disappointed his father by becoming a philosopher because <laughs> he was supposed to be a senator or whatever and ended up being like a tutor for, for Nero actually. But, um, but he was a stoic philosopher and he wrote a lot of letters to people with uh, kind of like an almost a Ben Franklin kind of way, just like these insights. Uh, and at the end of one of them, he was talking to a friend and he said, um, he was talking about, uh, telling a story about a man named Hikado. But he said, uh, and Hikado, he says, he says, you ask what progress I have made. I have begun to be a friend to myself. And he did indeed make great progress. 
He will never be alone. And that, you know, something written 2,000 years ago, you know, resonated with the gift you gave me. And thank you for that. Yeah, and it comes, it goes back to like the, the ancient wisdom is already written on all our hearts. And it's like drowning the noise, like allowing the noise to be what it is, the feelings to be what they are and returning back to wholeness. Yes. That journey from head to heart, sometimes these 12 inches or whatever distance it is, can be like the longest one. But it's about embodying and experiencing the feelings we're after versus thinking about them, talking about them, trying to look for them in someone else or something else. Yes. Like really, yeah. What does it feel like to be your own best friend? It's a feeling. It's mm-hmm. a feeling of like a warm hug inside. So cheers to that feeling. Yes. So uh, how do people find you and get started on a journey with you? You can easily email me, ellie at ellierichter.com. Um, you can find me also on Instagram. I have, I'm only using Instagram really as a communication in or email. So feel free to find me there. It's always a good time to do this. You don't, it, there's nothing to be afraid of because you're completely in charge. You, it's like you you get to pick up a sword and do some spiritual surgery in the most fun and effective way. So whenever your intuition tells you call Ellie, just go ahead and call. And there's also a hundred thousand psyche facilitators all around the world. So if you want to do this in person and or with someone else, then just go for it. It's not about me or it's not about the person giving, like doing this with you. It's really you using this modality and use it for your own self, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Follow, follow Ellie on uh, Instagram uh, just, for, just for your stories. I, th- there's so many mornings I wake up and if uh, some of the first things I see is your lo- lovely little... Now I'm going to think about them as you're, you're playing a flute for me or a violin or something. Yeah. <laughs> I should totally bring that back with the instruments that I have. Should, should, should. But maybe I want to. Maybe someday I want to bring that back into like little musical... I just stopped playing instruments and it's now a different, I use my creativity in different ways with words and with pictures and like in other ways, but yeah. yeah. It's all music. Anywhere and find And yeah, I'm just so grateful Carlos for your, um, for your friendship and your curiosity. And you're always somebody that's like, you can have amazing conversations with and talk about everything under the stars. And I'm just so excited for you and hope that this book, brings you um, the abundance you want to need so you can cruise around Europe with your boys. <laughs> yeah. You know, and we can finally make it happen that we finally meet in Europe. Definitely. That's going to happen uh, somewhere, somehow. We're going to have an adventure in Europe. I'm thinking Portugal, maybe. Oh, I'd love that. Yes, right? yes, yes, yes. Yes. Make it happen. yes. Uh, Set for the first time. Okay. Perfect. Uh, well, thank you so much for joining me. Always a pleasure. And uh, yeah, we'll talk soon. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Okay. That was super fun for me. And I hope it was fun, helpful, and informative for you. Um, you know, always always let me know. Uh, you can reach out to me at Carlo at carloblog.com. It's on my website. You can find me there. Um, if you are interested in exploring coaching with Holly, 
Um, I'll have all the information on the on the blog post for the um, for this for this podcast. But uh, just real quick, her her website is ellierichter.com, which is e l l i r i c h t e r dot com, and her email is almost the same, so it'd be ellie at ellierichter.com. Super easy. Also, follow her on Instagram, and um, again, just just for her stories and her posts, they're super positive, super helpful, great reminders about being kind to yourself and loving yourself and taking care of yourself, and just permission to like be that it's okay. And she just just shares a lot of great wisdom and joy, just like the uh, free music lessons she gave as a kid. Awesome. So um, again. If you like the podcast, please follow, please review, please share. Um, Don't forget to check out my book, Afterlife, if you have not. If you have, again, um, getting some reviews is super helpful. So if you have a chance to hop on Amazon and say a few nice words or goodreads.com, all that stuff is super great and super, super helpful. So thank you as always. Um, I hope this was helpful for you and I hope that you will take something from it and don't forget to enjoy your journey. (laughs) 